Welcome to the Cowie Baptist Church podcast. To learn more about Cowie, including in our gathering times, visit us online at cowie.church. Enjoy the message. What a great just time of worship this morning and just this reminder that in the midst of whatever we may be facing in this life, we have a God who uh, I'm reminded that as those uh, Jewish pilgrims would go toward uh, the, the marching toward the feast days that uh, Psalm 121 would tell us that in the midst of that, that they would grow weary and that they would get tired. And the Bible says that they would lift their eyes into the hills from whence cometh their help, that their help comes from the Lord. And that passage goes on to remind us that we have a God who never sleeps or slumbers. And even when we don't see it, he is working. He is at work in our midst. And I'm grateful that as we gather today, we gather under the authority of his word. uh, And we have been praying that the power of the spirit of God would speak through the word of God. And that we might leave here different today, changed from being in his presence. I thank God for uh, this band and just the, the, the intentionality with music selection that Clark does, the intentionality uh, and just commitment they have to uh, leading us uh, into a time of worship and be reminded of these great truths of the word of God that we sing uh, and that we declare. And I just thank God for uh, his people. Thank God for all of you. Uh, grateful this morning uh, for guests that are in the room. If you're a guest with us this morning, we Appreciate you uh, being here so much. We would encourage you inside uh, some of the the, uh, seat backs that you will see. You'll see some connect cards there, uh, just some welcome cards there. We'd love for you uh, to take one of those and just uh, complete as much as you want to of that. Just let us know of your time with us. And then as you leave, if you would stop by our guest services table and uh, just give that to them. They'd have a gift for you. And if you'd prefer not to connect that way, you can drop it in uh, just the offering box as you leave. Uh, at the exit, and we uh, would love to connect with you when you're ready to connect with uh, us. You know, when we uh, think about uh, being part of a church family, we uh, like to say here, and there's kind of a slogan that goes with our church, and it's a a thing that, that many people might say about our church, that we're a church that loves God, that loves people, and puts love in action, right? We say those kind of things all the time, and we may have known and been part of places before. Maybe we've been part of businesses, or we've been in businesses somewhere where they've said certain things, and what we've experienced is something different. Now, they're certainly not uh, always that way. I don't know how many of you have enjoyed having Chick-fil-A in our town, right? Yeah, been a a great blessing and always an enjoyable time there. And one of the things I love about Chick-fil-A is there's so much predictability uh, about that. Uh, You know you're going to get some good food, but when you go through uh, any line or you engage with anybody in Chick-fil-A, there's going to be a moment along the way uh, where you're going to say thank you or you're going to get your food or you're going to do something, and they're going to respond with two words. And so everybody that's awake this morning, they're going to say my pleasure, pleasure, right? And they're going to do that. And there's a culture that they're uh, creating, right? There's some things that they're doing and there's this message that they are wanting to share and there's some things that they're known for. Uh, They're known for their chicken. They're known for those kind of things. That doesn't always work that way. I went into this one place and it said one hour photo. And I thought, and that's a great thing. We need some photos in an hour. And you go in and they're like, it's going to be about three days. 
I'm thinking this doesn't match exactly what you're supposed to be known for. Uh, we have those kind of moments uh, along the way. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen a timeshare salesman or maybe you've been a part of one of those. And I, I remember uh, meeting one of those folks and, and they were uh, encouraging us to take uh, this short spiel that will only take 30 minutes to an hour and there'll be no pressure and it'll be one of the most wonderful experiences of your life. And about three hours later, you're like, I couldn't have felt any more pressure unless they had a gun pointed at my head the whole time, right? That's just the moment, right? What, what they're supposed to be known for. But it was a good three days vacation we got for going through it, right? We have those kind of moments, right? We have those things that are there. Uh, I know that, you know, certain times there's ways that we try to measure success in businesses. Some of you are small business owners. You may have ways that you look to measure the effectiveness of what you're doing. Uh, for for a, a season of my life, I worked for Lowe's and there were some things that happened there and they tried to uh, establish some things that would, uh, would help to improve customer service there. And so uh, in the role that I had, there, there were things that I would manage and things that we would check out in that. And so if there were more than three people that were in a line as they were checking out, then they were supposed to uh, proclaim uh, over uh, the intercom. Somebody that worked with me in those settings said, code three, right, from the audience. And that means, hey, we need some help up there. Sometimes it happened. Sometimes it didn't. They had these little buttons that would be spread throughout the store. Some of you may have pressed those at certain times and not picking on Lowe's. Love my time there. Uh, but you would have those buttons that you would press somewhere throughout the store and you would press that button. And then all of a sudden in this beautiful voice across the intercom, it would say, customer needs assistance in the paint department customer needs assistance in the paint department. And Lowe's had some things that they wanted to do. They wanted people to respond to that button within a certain amount of time. So in less than a minute, they desired that someone would come and they would turn off that button and help uh, that customer. Now, what could happen and what that I would see sometimes is that, that because the corporate office would look at those buttons and they would know how long it took and they were keeping an eye on those things that people that worked for Lowe's in a very maybe not busy time, they might just ease over and press the button, right? They'd be the back desk, they press the button, they go back to the desk, look at their watch in like 34 seconds, they run back over, they turn it off, success, right? They've, they've moved these numbers down, they're doing these kind of things, their average service time is a little bit better, right? But they're really not uh, accomplishing much there. The only person that's fooled is the boss that's not there maybe in that moment. The other evening after church on a Wednesday, uh, we went as a family to a restaurant and I'll leave that restaurant unnamed, but we went to this restaurant and we saw on the sign that the dining room had closed at nine. And so we got there, but they were still open in the drive-thru. And so I love drive-thrus, right? Don't we all? And so I decided, hey, we're going to just do this thing together. We'll just eat out here in the car. But since there was about three vehicles full of people, we said, well, we'll just put them all in our vehicle. I'm buying. Let's just hop in. And so we've got Sherry's uh, trunk lid open, like there's people piling in the back and they're all the way to the front. And that sounded like an excellent idea until you're the guy driving the vehicle and you pull up to the line and they say, sir, may I take your order? And you look back and they're like, I can't see the sign. And so it takes us like 45 minutes, right, to get our order in. We get that done. We finally pull up. We get up to the, to the, uh, to the window that's there. And granted, there's nobody been behind us this entire time, which has been a blessing for them and for us. Uh, and, and eventually, right, we pull up to the window. And when you go up to the window, we pay for the order. And there's an interesting thing that takes place. Now, I'm reminded, there's nobody behind us. And they say, if you don't mind, sir, could you pull up to the line up at the end of the thing and we'll bring your order out as soon as it's ready. And I'm thinking... I mean, you don't want to say anything, like, because I'm the pastor. Like, I can't say anything. I've got to be nice all the time. And so, 
Y'all do too. Y'all do too. We're, we all have to be nice all the time. But I, but I did think, I'm looking in the review, I'm like, there's nobody behind me. And so I, I was Googling this weekend and I was kind of looking about how some of that works. And now granted, they brought it out very quickly and it was some incredible food that we had that night. But but I read that once you start from the window that you place your order, that there's a certain amount of time that they have to shoot for. And if you pull up to that window, if they can send you on by, then their service time looks better and they can bring that food out when they get done, right? And so they're trying to take a little shortcut uh, to make things look a little better. But again, there really are no shortcuts. Nobody is full. The customer's not benefited in those moments. And what I want to speak to you today about is from John chapter 13. I want to invite you to take your copy of God's word to turn to John chapter 13. And I want to tell you that there's no shortcut to love, that there is no shortcut to love. And Jesus is going uh, to teach us a lesson today, and he's going to demonstrate to us this truth. And if we were to sum this thing up in a sentence, uh, we, we would say that there is no shortcut to love demonstrated through humble service to one another. So if you're following along in the app, you'll see this stuff there. You'll see some fill in uh, the blank sermon notes along the way. But here's this truth, right? There is no shortcut to love demonstrated through humble service to one another. So as we open up John 13, we're going to read from there in just a moment. I want to set the stage just a little bit. We know uh, from the other gospels, we know from the, 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 the other gospels that there's some things that are going on in these moments. We know that this is a time where Jesus' disciples have had some passionate discussion. Uh, they have been arguing and, and they're expecting Jesus to bring in this kingdom, right? And this government that he would inaugurate, this government when he would establish that, these disciples are arguing and they're saying, hey, uh, who's going to be number one? Who's going to be your right-hand man in the kingdom? Like, who's going to have the titles? Who's going to hold the leading positions? Who's going to do that? And these discussions, they're around these topics, right? Position, power, authority. These are the kind of moments that are there. And Jesus has very little time left with them here. And he must communicate to them that glory is not found in position or title, but that glory is found through service, that glory is found through this humility of service. And there is no shortcut to greatness in the kingdom of God. This is the reality that we're going to see. And so these moments are so important. These are some of the last moments that Jesus would have with his disciples. And we're going to read a few verses. I want to invite you, uh, if you are able to stand in honor of the reading of the word of God, we're going to read just three verses together. And then we're going to lean into some others along the way. We're going to read John 13 verse one, and then we're going to read verse 34 and 35. You'll see those on the screen uh, as well. So beginning in John 13 verse one, the scripture says this. Now before the feast of the Passover, Jesus knowing his hour had come that he would depart out of this world to the Father, having loved those, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Let's skip over to verse 34 and 35. Jesus says this, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Let's pray. Father, we are thankful that you have given us your word. Lord, we thank you that 
Uh, You have revealed yourself to us through your son, and we are given an example today that we are to follow. And Lord, we pray that you would help us, Lord, to hear your word and not only be hearers of your word, but doers of your word. God, that you might work in our lives, Lord, that your spirit might transform hearts, God, and that we might leave, God, different than we came. Lord, we pray that if there's someone here that has never trusted you for salvation, that has never repented of their sin and placed their faith in you, God, that you would draw them in the power of your spirit this morning, God, that you would work in their lives, God, and that we would, uh, we would declare, Lord, that today is the day of salvation. Lord, help us, lead us, guide us, change us. And we ask this in the strong and mighty name of Jesus. Amen. All right, you can have a seat this morning. So in verse 1, we see uh, the heart of our Savior. And we see some things about it, right? The Scripture says uh, that he loved them to the end, right? And this picture is to the fullest. It's this picture of loving them to the uttermost. That he had given them uh, just this beautiful display of his love. That he loved them steadfastly, right? That we see this kind uh, of call. And then at the end of this chapter, Jesus says, This is how you are to love one another just like I have loved you. And so point number one, I want you to see this morning that Jesus calls his disciples to love steadfastly, that Jesus calls his disciples to love steadfastly. This is resolute. This is unwavering. This is every day that this is what we've been called as followers of Jesus Christ to do. And so what does that look like? What does it look like to love in that way? And I believe Part between these two sets of verses is a display of love. Something so visible that the disciples would never forget it. An example that would resonate in them. And an example that I pray the Holy Spirit would engrave in our hearts this morning. Look with me in verse 3. The scripture says this. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come forth from God and was going back to God, got up from supper and laid aside his garments and taking a towel. He girded himself. Then he poured water into the basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wash them and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. So in these verses, we see Jesus knowing his high position, knowing who he was, knowing his divinity, that he took up a towel and began to wash the disciples' feet. And this morning, we need to remember that there's none of us that no one is too big for a towel. That there's nobody in this room, right? No matter what your position is, no matter how important you are in this world, no matter what you do, no matter what uh, you might think about any of those things, there's nobody too big for a towel. There's none of us in this room that are too lofty to labor. And Jesus is communicating that in an incredible way. And, And in reality, maybe the higher status that you seem to have in this world, the greater the impact when you are willing to go low and you're willing to wash someone else's feet. You're willing to be in humble service to those who are around you. This picture that Jesus gives in this passage is a visible display of what the Apostle Paul reminds us of uh, when he speaks of Jesus in Philippians chapter 2 verse 5 through 9. The scripture says this, have this attitude in yourselves which was also in Christ Jesus, who although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. 
And look what verse 9 says. For this reason also God highly exalted him and bestowed upon him the name which is above every name. We understand that greatness in the kingdom of God, that glory comes through humble service, right? That we see this beautiful picture, right? We learn from Jesus' labor. We learn from the way that he lived. Greatness in the kingdom of God is found in humble service. And not only do we see that Jesus calls his disciples to love steadfastly, Jesus calls his disciples to love selflessly. This is what we've been called to do as followers of Jesus Christ. He has called us to love selflessly. Look at verse 12. So when he had washed their feet and taken his garments and reclined at the table again, he said to them, do you know what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, the Lord and teacher, wash your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. Jesus said, this is who I am, and I'm washing feet. Because see, the right thing that should have took place, what we would expect, we know the story. We're familiar with the story. But what should have happened in our minds, right? Jesus is going to the cross. He's going to offer himself uh, as a sacrifice, an atoning sacrifice for our sin. And it would have made sense for Jesus to say, hey, boys, I'm fixing to leave y'all. And the place that I'm going, you can't go. But before I go, could y'all wash my feet? That's not what our Savior does, right? That's, what, that's how we think sometimes, but that's not how our Savior does, right? The, and to understand the context, right? The wealthy, they might have a servant that would wash the feet of guests at the table. But understand the master of the house, that was never something that the master of the house would do. But even greater than that, that the master of the universe would display his love in this kind of way. That he would get down on his hands and his feet and that he would wash the feet of his disciples. That is what Jesus does and that is what he has called us to do. See, in this world, worldly leaders, they want to be Lord. They want to be in charge. We see it all around us. We see it in in secular environments. We see it in business. We can even see it in church where some pastor thinks, you know what? I need my own parking place. I need all these things, right? I want to be worse. Listen, we, we, the, the humble servant that God has called each of us to be in this world, people want to be Lord. But, but listen, when we recognize that Jesus is Lord and that he has called us to serve one another in worship to him as Lord, worldly leaders, they look for titles. They look for position. They look for power. Worldly leaders, they look for titles. But here's what Jesus has called his followers to look for. He says, if you want to serve me, if you want to be great in the kingdom of God, then you're going to be a servant. And he says, instead of looking for a title, how about looking for a towel and finding people that are around you that you can serve in my name? Worldly leaders say, I'm in charge, serve me. Kingdom leaders say, Jesus is in charge and I'll serve him by serving you. See, this is what God has called us to. People who are willing to do menial tasks, people who are willing to serve others so that they could be built. Uh, People that would seek the good of others over privilege, over position. And what we see in the scriptures is the path to greatness in the kingdom of God is through lowly service. This is what we are called to. Jesus gives this incredible example. We don't have time to read all the pieces about it, but he gives this incredible example. And then in verse 33, he tells them something and it's, 
we're familiar with what's happening and we understand this story, but imagine them being in this moment. He gives this incredible display of humble service and then he looks at them and he says, little children, he says, I'm with you a little while longer and you will seek me. And as I've shared with the Jews and now I'm going to say to you also, he says, where I'm going, you can't go. He said, where I am going, you cannot come. But then he says, there's something that you have to get before I go. He says, where I'm going, you can't go. But you have to get this before I leave. You have to understand this. And he begins in verse 34 and 35 to say a new commandment I give to you. That you love one another even as I have loved you. That you also love one another by this. All men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Jesus not only calls his disciples to love steadfastly, this resolute love. Not only does he call them to love selflessly where there's this humble service that is displayed. But Jesus calls his disciples to love sacrificially. See, that's what we see about Jesus. It's, it's, it's costly, right? He's, he gives them this call to love sacrificially. The old command was, was to love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus gives this new commandment. The old commandment was based on the law, but the new commandment is based on grace. The new commandment, Jesus says, you are to love one another based on who I am. We love based on who Jesus is in us, and we live as an overflow of what God is doing in our lives. We love as an overflow of the grace that we have experienced. And he says, you are to love others like I have loved you. You know, if we read this entire passage, there's incredible moments along the way, right? That we see Jesus wash the feet of Judas. Can you imagine that moment? Judas had already betrayed him and here. This humble servant of God. Here, God in flesh, right? Jesus humbles himself and washes the feet of his enemies. The one who had betrayed him, the one who would deny him, he washed the feet of Peter, of one who would doubt. Jesus washed the feet of all those disciples. Then he said to his disciples, he said, people will know that you are my disciples by the love that you have for one another, by the way that you love one another. He said, this is how people, when they come and gather in a church, this is how people, when they come to church, they're going to know that you're my disciples Not because of how many memory verses you've got. Not because of a certain amount of things that you know. And there's nothing wrong with some of those things. But that's not how Jesus said the world would know that that we are his disciples. He said that it would be by the love that we have for one another. He says this in love like I have loved you. Sacrificial, giving, selfless love, washing feet. And here's a truth that I want you to see. You can't look down on someone. When you have kneeled down and began to wash their feet.
know, the reality is that this is tough. The reality is when we hear this call to live like that, and it's not just a call for me, it is a call for all of us who are followers of Jesus Christ, that we would love like he has loved, that we would, that we would be so radically different that the world would see us in the way that we love, and they would say, you know what, I know that those are followers of Jesus Christ. Is that what people see of us? When they see our social media feeds, when they see the way that we interact with one another, when, when they see us uh, out in the midst of the world, how, how do they see us? Do they see us love like Jesus? And like I said, the reality is it's tough because our flesh wants to be served. Our flesh wants to leave here and go to a restaurant and for people to wait on us and for people to engage with that. Our flesh wants to be served. It is the desire that we have. Our nature is like that. And the truth is we would rather have a shortcut. We would rather have a shortcut to demonstrating what it looks like to follow Christ. We would rather have, maybe surely we could come up with some other way that, that the world might know that we are his disciples. Another way that we might demonstrate that we are Christians. But here's the truth of the scripture. Jesus said, this is the way the world will know. As you put love in action, as you serve one another in love, maybe we feel like some of the employees that, that are saying, you know what, we're understaffed. We can't meet all the requirements that are there. We can't do all these things. The good news of the gospel is, is that we can't do those things on our own. But as we continue to read this upper room discourse, as we continue to read the following chapters, Jesus continues in his teaching. And I want us to see just a couple of things uh, from the next few chapters that kingdom servants, right? That those that are loving servants, those that, that are enabled through the power of God in their lives, that, that, that some characteristics about them. If you go to John chapter 15, uh, one of my favorite passages in all of the scripture, and, and Sherry always laughs at me because she says, you've got a lot of favorite passages in all the scripture. They're all so good, right? Like every week, this is one of my favorites. This one is, right? And Jesus gives us this example, right? And he reminds us that loving servants, they abide in the vine. That, that's what we're going to see in, in John chapter 15. Jesus said this in verse 5. He said, I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So don't expect to be able to do this in your own power. Don't expect to love like Jesus if you're not spending time abiding in the vine, right? That we live our lives, right? We believe that, that the Christian life is not simply us living for Jesus, but Jesus living his life in and through us. And we abide in Christ. We spend time with the Father. We engage uh, in, in abiding relationship. Listen, we hang on to the vine with all that we have and we're reminded and grateful knowing that he is hanging on to us us, right? I, I think about that beautiful picture. We're abiding in Christ, loving servants. They abide in the vine. Not only do they abide in the vine, but as you go into John chapter 16, we're reminded that these loving servants, that they are empowered by the Spirit of God, right? They are powered by Spirit. Not only did he give them these commands, but he gave them a promise. And he said, listen, it's going to be better. He said, church, you need to understand something. Disciples, you need to understand something. I'm going away. And he said, it is better that I go away. Verse 7, of John chapter 16, he says, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go... 
I will send him to you. I'm going to tell you something. It is good news that Jesus went away. Or we'd be gathering here on Sunday morning. And I'd be saying to Jesus, boy, Jesus, it'd sure be nice if you came by Cowie Baptist this morning. It'd sure be nice that, that if you could just gather with us. Because when you gather with us, like when you show up, listen, everything changes, right? His presence changes everything. And so, Jesus, I know Liberty's having comb coming. And we love them. And I know all these other churches are meeting, and we love them. It'd just be great if you could show up this morning at Cowie. But listen, he said, it's better that I go away, because if I go away, he said, I'm going to send the comforter. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. It's to your advantage, and I'm going to send him. And listen, in the Old Testament, God created a temple for his people. But in the New Testament, God created a people to be his temple, and we are those people who have been gifted with the Spirit of God that lives in our life. And when we go out into this world, we are the temple of God. The Holy Spirit dwells in us. And wherever we go, there are pockets of the kingdom of God that should be springing up everywhere. And as we walk in the Spirit, we do not fulfill the lust of the flesh. As we live in the Spirit, right, we are kingdom influencers. We make a difference for the kingdom of God. We do this in the power of the Spirit, right? That's where our love comes from. That's where the ability that we have, we're empowered by the Spirit of God. Romans 5, 5 says, listen, hope does not disappoint, right? Because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. And then even better news, just to give us a reminder, we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ and we worship and we, we, we proclaim that, that there's a tomb in Jerusalem that's empty and a throne in heaven heaven that's occupied by the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And then we're reminded in Romans chapter 8 verse 11 that the same power that rose Jesus from the grave, that that same power dwells in us. Listen, it ought to look different. It ought to be different. There ought to be things about our life like he's giving life to our mortal bodies through the Spirit of God that lives in us, right? We are powered by the Spirit, and not only are we powered by the Spirit, not only are, are we uh, given the promise of the Holy Spirit in our life. Listen, we are prayed for by the Son. Look at John chapter 17, verse 20 and 21. These loving servants, they're prayed for by the Son. And Jesus said this in his high priestly prayer. He says, I do not ask on behalf of these alone, but for those also who believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me. Listen, the world knows that we are his disciples by the love that we have for one another. And they believe the truth about Jesus through the unity that we display. When people from every tribe and every nation and every uh, ethnic group and every uh, socioeconomic status and everything, when people unite as family, as brothers and sisters in Christ, and they love one another, when they see those kind of things, the world knows that that doesn't happen apart from a place where the Spirit of God dwells. That doesn't happen apart from from a group of people who are followers of Jesus Christ. 
And this love, by the way, no matter what this world tells you, no matter what you might hear, this love is not a feeling. It is an act of the will. And it looks like this. It looks like this. Jesus says, hey, listen, when you don't feel like loving, here's what I want you to do. I want you to reach over and I want you to get the towel. When you don't feel like loving your wife or you don't feel like loving your husband or you're going through a difficult time in some of those places, right? This obedience that you're called to, it may not feel good at first, but you're going to find joy in this obedience. You're going to find joy in those things. Verse 17 of John 13, he says, listen, uh, you, you can understand if you know these things. He said, you're blessed if you do them. He said, you can know them, but if you don't do them, you're not going to experience the blessing that God has. And so husbands, wives, when you don't feel like it and when things are going tough, listen, you're not going to be nasty and hateful when, when all of a sudden you're saying, you know what, I'm going to pick up that towel and I'm going to serve my wife. I'm going to pick up that towel and I'm going to serve my husband. When you go, hey, it's Labor Day weekend. When you go back to work and, and you walk back in there and and you've got a boss that's mean, or you've got all these things, you can fill in the blank however you want to. And instead of picking up some anger and picking up, uh, you know, certain attitudes or those kind of things, you say, you know what, I'm going to let this, this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, right? And I'm going to pick up a towel instead of that other mess. I'm going to live my life differently. See, the value is in the application, right? The, the, the obedience. When you go, uh, if you go to a restaurant after church today, and, and there's people that are going to be waiting on you, there's a waiter or a waitress, instead of walking in there and expecting like, hey, I, I'm going to be mad if, I, if my food don't come out fast enough, and I'm going to do this or that. Just say, listen, when I go in there, I'm going to pick up a towel. And somehow I want to serve that person. I want to serve that person that's serving me. Now, I'm going to pick up my towel when I walk in there. And by the way, if you can't afford to be a good tipper, you can't afford to at a good restaurant. That's just the reality or a bad restaurant for that matter. Listen, we represent Jesus Christ and there is no shortcut to love. There is no shortcut to demonstrating that we are disciples of Jesus Christ and we are called to grab a towel. When you come to church, when you walk in uh, to this building, right? This is a building. We are the church. And when you come and gather as the church, I want to encourage you to grab a towel. I want to encourage you to walk in to this place with a heart of serving others, with a heart uh, of somehow engaging and being a blessing. And, and here's the thing. There ought not to be no Chick-fil-A. There ought not to be no secular place in this world. There ought not to be a place in this world that outserves the body of Christ. There ought not to be a place where people can come into and have a better experience than they do when they walk in to the church, right? This is uh, the call that we have as followers of Jesus Christ. Welcome everyone. We, we all have a part to play in this, right? And, and we, we know some things, right? Well, I read that within 10 minutes, did you notice it's an interesting statistic? Within 10 minutes, a guest will make a decision whether or not they will return to this church, right? Long before the band gets up and leads us in worship, long before they listen to me ramble for an hour and 42 minutes. I'm going to be short today, though, so y'all are lucky. Right. But here's the thing. Long before any of those kind of things happen, right, long before those things, they make those kind of decisions. And so we want to be a place, right, from the parking lot to the pew that says we love you and we love one another. And by the way, I believe uh, that, that as we look at statistics, we would see in our area within driving distance to our church, there are around 27,000 people. And statistics would tell us that three out of four of those people don't have a church home. And, and we would love to welcome them into this place. We would love to invite them to the pig picking next Sunday night. Uh, if you haven't heard about that, we're going to have an incredible time, 4 p.m. next Sunday night down at the Cowie School. It'll be like a fall festival slash like barbecue restaurant, right? It's going to be like, like, how can you say no to that? It's free. It's free. And, and we have like God sends. We, we pray and God sends what we need. This is how this works, right? We have a, a person that's worshiping in our early service. He 
He owned a barbecue restaurant in Myrtle Beach. He, he was like the state champion. Bar, I don't know where. I don't know exactly how it worked. State champion, North Carolina, barbecue cook, cooking, sauce making. I, it's going to be good is what I'm telling you. And so we want to invite people because this should be the best place. And we're going to welcome them. We're going to love them. And we're going we're gonna to share the good news of the gospel. It's a place where people can feel welcome and people can come. Lost people can come. We must engage with the world that is around us. And the greatest tool, by the way, I'm a simple kind of person. I love simple things. I'm so glad that God has made it simple. So he said, when you gather as a church, serve one another. And when you do that, the world's going to know that you're my disciples. And then I also believe that the greatest evangelism tool that we have is a towel and a basin that we might engage with our community and we might wash their feet, that we might serve them, that we might love them in that way. And, And we earn a place that we could share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We want to be those kind of people. I read a post that was interesting. and There was another pastor, and he was sharing about a man that had joined his church. And he said, Bill's family joined our church. And he said, no one invited them to dinner. And he said, what they do? They began inviting people over for meals. And today, most of our church has been invited to their home. They changed our church. And I just want to encourage you, every one of us, Let's be what God would call us to be. Let's be what we wish others might be for us. Let's be a people that say, you know what, we're going to, there's no way that you're going to outserve me when, when it comes to any part of my life because I'm going to love in the best way that I can as Jesus has loved. Years ago in Decision Magazine, a magazine to get, a little seven year old boy wrote a letter to Billy Graham and they printed it in there and it said, Dear Billy Graham, I love God and I love Jesus. Signed Johnny. And underneath it, there was a PS and he said, I love people too. You know, that night in the upper room, Jesus washed his disciples' feet. He took an opportunity in those moments to put love in action. He took an opportunity to give us a display that we would never forget. The God who created was washing the feet of the created. This is our God. As his Lord and leader, he loved them and he served them. And then he looked at them and he said, now go and serve one another. He loved them to the end. He gave them a new commandment, all based on grace. And he said, this is what I want to see my church look like. This is how my people are to be. This is what I want to see when I see my church. This is what I want to see when I see leaders in my church. This is what I want to see when I see people with power in this present world that they live in. I want to see humble service. This is what it looks like to be part of the family of God. This is what it looks like to be part of his church, to serve one another. And Jesus tells them in this passage, he says, later you will understand more. And then he went to the cross and he died in humble service, in sacrificial love. He died in our place. The Bible says that he who knew no sin, that Jesus loved us so much, right? That he who knew no sin became sin on our behalf. The scripture says that God demonstrated his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And he made a way for all of us who would who would recognize and look to that cross and say what Jesus did on that cross was in my place. It counted for me. When we look to the cross and we, we recognize that, we turn from our sin. It's a biblical word called repent. We turn from our sin and we believe and trust in the finished work of that cross. 
Listen, there was nothing that we could do to earn our salvation. We can't be good enough. It is all of grace. Scripture says that it is by grace through faith that we have been saved. And that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God. If you've never trusted Jesus, he offers us the gift of salvation through repentance and faith in him. And he invites us. He invites us into relationship with him. He's made a way. And for all of us who are followers of Jesus Christ, he invites us to pick up a towel. He says, a new commandment I give you. As I have loved you, you are to love one another. And I want to invite you to take up a towel and to demonstrate to this world what it looks like to follow Jesus.